0: Things are getting creepy around here. Was it my imagination? So let's dance the last dance.
1: Let's give these children a show they will never forget.
0: I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, June 4th through Sunday, June 6th. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Filming of the seventh Mission Impossible film has been put on pause after an unknown number of positive coronavirus test results popped up during regular testing. This latest news comes months after star Tom Cruise made headlines after a leaked audio clip seemingly featured him berating crew members for breaking COVID-19 safety protocols on the set of the film. Ryan Murphy has revealed the first stars joining the cast of American Horror Stories, his upcoming spinoff to the main American Horror Story franchise, which will debut July 15th on FX on Hulu dubbed The Fantastic Four in a post shared on Murphy's Instagram, are Glee veteran Kevin McHale, Riverdale actor Charles Melton, Pose's DeLon Burnside, and The Prom's Nico Greetham. FX also announced some other premiere dates, including American Horror Story Double Feature, which will premiere August 25th, and Impeachment American Crime Story on September 7th. For more on those stories, plus other news reviews, interviews, and a whole lot more, Head on over to EW.com. Number five. And now, presenting our top five picks for this weekend, starting with number five the 43rd Annual Kennedy Center Honors. The yearly ceremony returns to CBS this Sunday after taking 2020 off. Because, well, you know, honoring five performers for their contributions to American culture. This year's honorees include fame star Debbie Allen, folk singer Joan Baez, violinist Midori, the legendary Dick Van Dyke, and country star Garth Brooks. Throughout the pre-taped ceremony, other artists will pay tribute to the honorees with special performances. And here's a bit of Kelly Clarkson performing Brooks's emotional song, The Dance.
1: But I'd have had to miss the dance Holding you, I held everything For a moment, wasn't I the king?
0: We're not crying. You're crying. And by the way, so is Brooks in that clip. You can see Clarkson's full performance and the full ceremony starting at 8 p.m. Sunday on CBS. Let's head up the coast, the Mosquito Coast, that is, for our number four pick. The Apple TV drama wraps up its first season today and has already been renewed for season two. The question then is where will the finale leave things, especially after last week's intense entry where Justin Thoreau's Alley almost let his wife Margot die at the hands of their pursuers? With the family on the run again, there might not be time for much self reflection, but Margot seemed pretty done with Ally during their confrontation in last week's episode. Here's showrunner Neil Cross and actress Melissa George, who plays Margot, on where things now stand for the couple.
1: There's some level of assumption
0: that Margot is in some way along for the ride. In that moment in this episode, we get the first real solid glimmer that things might be otherwise. When you get told something, there's a gun at the back of your wife's head, and you actually don't care. Well, that's what she thinks Allie was going through. She's had enough. That's when she realizes that she's going to take the kids. Life with Allie is not worth it. It should make for some compelling drama in the finale, and in season two, whenever it arrives. Until then, the first full season of The Mosquito Coast is now streaming on Apple TV+. Now, time to invoke our number three pick, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. The latest installment in the Conjuring franchise sees the return of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, who this time are drawn into a case beyond anything they have seen before. The Warrens will risk their lives to prove the existence of evil forces in the first trial in U.S. history where a murder suspect used demonic possession as a legal defense. And yes, it's based on a real-life trial. Here's a bit of the trailer.
1: Residents of Brookfield
0: were shocked this afternoon by the broad daylight murder of Bruno Salls. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil.
1: Whatever is going on, whatever happened that day, that was not learning.
0: It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. And that connection's still broken. Oh, that is creepy stuff, as we have certainly come to expect from The Conjuring films. Still, this one represents something of a shift for the franchise. Here's Wilson to explain how. We're in a different land than we've been in with any of these other Conjuring films. It's a... You know, a life lost, and um, and and all that that entails. And now we're involved in the court system, and and um, the police are involved. Um, so. The film goes from, you know, typically our little haunted house movies where we're dealing with us and one family and it's a very, they're usually very tight movies. This is a much, the cast's a much wider net, um, which is something that was a very conscious choice of like, we can't go back and do a haunted house or another family with another demonic possession and hold up crosses and, you know, damn the devil to hell. We, we, although I think I do do that, (laughs) we've got to move the needle. The Conjuring meets a courtroom drama. You know what? We're here for it. You can summon The Devil Made Me Do It on HBO Max now. It's trivia time. Ed and Lorraine Warren, the real-life paranormal investigators depicted in The Conjuring, were most famous for reporting on the events dramatized in what 1970s horror classic? The Exorcist, The Omen, or The Amityville Horror? Stay tuned for the answer and for our top two picks and soundbite of the week. What to Watch will be right back. back to ew's what to watch it is only week three of the latest season of the real housewives of beverly hills and the women are already off on a vacation and already having some drama but that aside most of the women head off on a rail bike tour kyle richard's sister kathy hilton though stays back the enormous cabin they're staying in because well She's still sleeping, which maybe has something to do with that Red Bull she was drinking at 1 a.m. Anyway, when the women return, they find Hilton awake, but the start of her day hasn't gone so well. And it's our soundbite of the week.
1: Hello. Oh, uh, where, where's Kathy? Oh, I, Kathy? I can't. I can't. Where's, where's Kathy? Kathy? My sweetheart. What are you doing? <laughs> I put some drops,
0: and I thought they were eye drops, and I put... Eardrops in my eyes. Eardrops in her eyes. Well, money can buy you a lot of things, folks. But anyway, she was totally fine, by the way. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills airs every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Bravo. (laughs) Number two. Now let's scare up this weekend's number two pick, Lisey's Story, the latest Stephen King adaptation to hit the small screen. This one is rather special though. It's based on one of King's most personal books, which has never been adapted until now and was written for TV entirely by the iconic author himself. Julianne Moore stars in the title role, the widow of a beloved novelist played by Clive Owen. She's grappling with repressed memories that she must sift through in order to deal with a series of violent and quite unsettling events two years after his death, involving a dangerous stalker played by Dane DeHaan. In case you couldn't tell, this show has a top-notch cast. Here's EW's Lauren Huff on our What to Watch video series discussing the Lisey Story ensemble. I have to say there's not a clunker in the bunch. Um, They're all incredible in in very different ways. Uh, Dane DeHaan is the uh, sort of crazed fan, if you will, Um, the the series main villain, I would say, and he's terrifying. Um, And Joan Allen is just absolutely incredible as Lucy's sister, Amanda. Um, She's, dare I say, almost unrecognizable. I hate it when people say that generally. But I mean, she's, Mm -hmm. she's incredible. Um, And I mean, you can't go wrong with Julianne Moore and Clive Owen, of course. And I think that fans are in for a treat whenever they they get to see it, because it's a great, great cast. And I think that Mm -hmm. it does a lot of justice to the novel. King himself is also a big fan of DeHaan's performance. The author recently spoke to Lauren about how the actor brought his character, the sinister Jim Dooley, to life. Dane is a hugely talented actor, and he brought his own concept of Jim Dooley to the show. And I, I just absolutely loved it. I love the fact that he's always eating, you know, he's always <laughs> comfort eating. He's always There's always something going into his mouth. I love that. Pablo said to me, what, what do you think about if he had a yo-yo? And actually, it turned out that Dane could use a yo-yo. He could do certain tricks with the yo-yo. And so we put that in. I wish there was more. Actually, Lauren, I wish there was more yo-yo. <laughs> Yo-yos, comfort eating, Joan Allen. Let me tell you, this show has everything. You can stream Lisey's story, if you dare, on Apple TV Plus right now. Before we get to our number one pick, we have a recommendation from Batwoman star Javicia Leslie, who, by the way, you can catch in a new episode Sunday at 9 on The CW. In honor of Pride Month, Leslie recently spoke to EW about an LGBTQ show she thinks everyone should watch and a character from that show that particularly resonates with her.
1: One of my favorite shows... One of my favorite LGBTQ shows that I feel is underrated, but that I love with all of my heart is Pose. Oh my goodness. That show is just everything to me. And what I love so much about it is that it just taught me so much about a world I I, I just, I didn't really know about. And these characters are so full and just so beautiful and so, but also so flawed and layered. And I feel it's underrated because it should not be ending, that's why. It should not be ending. It should go on and on and on and on. And yeah, I love Pose, I really do. My hope is that shows like this really help to open the door for more representation. And I hope that shows like this proves that there is an audience for more LGBTQ shows. An on-screen character I identify with is Angel Evangelista, played by the amazing, amazing actress, India Moore. And what I love so much about Angel is that she comes across just so raw and pure. And she's just a person that wants to love and wants to be loved and wants to do it in the most genuine, authentic way possible. And it's something I completely resonate with.
0: And on that note, Number one. it's time for one last ball and one last pick. Our number one pick for this weekend is the series finale of Pose, airing Sunday on FX. The two-hour finale will bring the House of Evangelista story to a close, with Blanca joining ACT UP in an effort to secure HIV medication for Pray Tell. We are expecting a lot of tears as we bid farewell to this landmark show and its historically diverse ensemble of LGBTQ and particularly transgender actors. Speaking of which, Poe's co-creator Stephen Canals spoke to EW's Nick Romano ahead of the final season premiere about whether the show has moved the needle on trans representation in the industry. My answer is I think that the jury is still out and the impact, the lasting impact remains to be seen. You know, I I know that GLAAD every year puts out their report of LGBTQ plus representation, and I think that there have been small gains over the past three seasons when it comes to trans representation, and yet it doesn't feel like it's happening fast enough. I don't feel like I'm seeing enough of a change. Mm. Um, You know, I can appreciate that. And in this moment, I want to acknowledge that I'm checking my own privilege as a cisgendered male, but I can appreciate that we're seeing more content creators making the, the intentional choice to write a character who happens to be having a trans experience. But where are the actual
1: trans content creators who are just telling their own story?
0: Indeed, there is still a long way to go. And here's hoping Pose represents a very early step on the road to more stories from creators like Janet Mock. In the meantime, you can catch the series finale Sunday at 10 p.m. on FX. And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Ed and Lorraine Warren of The Conjuring were most famous for reporting on the events dramatized in what 1970s horror classic, The Exorcist, The Omen, or The Amityville Horror? Don't be afraid to take a guess. The answer is The Amityville Horror. The Warrens' reports were the basis for the book that the 1979 film was based on, and their investigation was depicted as the opening of The Conjuring 2. That's our show for this weekend. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend.
1: One, two,
0: Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krockmal and Carly Usden.